and welcome into another great edition of Strong Style. I'm your host, Jeremy, the Impact York. Strong Style is Impact Media's weekly dive into the world of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. We've got Sunshine producing today. She's doing a great job. Told her I'd give her a shout out. So there you go, Sunshine. Good job. So much to get into. Weird time of the week. Uh, been a long time since I've actually recorded a show during the day. Uh, it just kind of worked out that way. Uh, lots of wrestling action to talk about. Hope everybody's doing good on this uh, on this Thursday. Got other things coming up. Um, the show may drop later on today. It's good to have it back, but. This is Strong Style. If you would like to follow the show on Twitter at Team Impact Media, we'll have nothing but the nothing but the show links um, at the Impact Ninety Nine on practically every social media, including Triller and uh, Triller. Triller got an event in a couple weeks. We'll talk about it in the next few weeks. And, of course, TikTok and, and uh, things like that. Um, Facebook, look us up. I promise you we're on there. You can look up. You probably just search for Strong Style. You probably search for Impact Media. You probably just search for me. But either way, I want to start I want to start with Last week's UFC. And of course, that was... Limos versus Andrage. I said her name word. Andrage. Is that how you say her name? Uh, it was fight night. It happened on Saturday. I'm going to tell you. The uh, the main card, every fight stuck out for a different reason. And uh, I'm going to mainly talk the main card. I'll tell you a couple of the fights I like beyond that. But uh, watching Jessica Andrade submit Amanda Lemos, I really thought Lemos had the bigger momentum coming in. But Andrade, she, you know, she went after it. She absolutely went after it. It's what you're supposed to do. So she picks up the big win in the straw weight division. Uh, Lima, she's just 11-2-1. She just takes a half step backwards. She'll be fine. Uh, but look at where mixed martial arts has came just in the last few years. It was not that long ago that there was not a female division in the UFC. A lot of other organizations don't have female divisions. And to not only, and, and yes, fine, you want to make the argument that part of the reason there's a female division is that Dana White created a female division so that he could sign Ronda Rousey. That worked out pretty well for him because not only did that, uh, be, did she become a big star who, who continues to do great things, but we got all these other amazing female athletes that have came in here. And they can throw down just like the guys. They can slap on submissions. They can go just rounds of just running the gauntlet. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I and and now we get we regularly get we regularly get the women in the main event. Once again, even in professional wrestling, that is a very, very relatively new thing. We didn't get that a couple years ago. I'm all for it. It's 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 a step in the right direction of equality. They're at least getting, uh, you know, in WWE, they're getting better camera time, almost equal to the, I mean, pretty much equal to the guys. They're just there's obviously more guys on the roster than girls. Uh, in the UFC, they're they're getting 
equal stature on the card. If they're the bigger fight and Amanda Lemos versus Jessica Andrade, yes, absolutely the biggest fight on this card. It's the main event. That's the way it's supposed to be. And people are tuning in. It's not just, you know, Dana and and uh, and uh, Mr. Shelby sit around and just go, oh, you know, uh, this wouldn't it be real cute if uh, if uh, we do this? So, no, they don't do that. Or if they said, you know, who deserves that spot? These people. Because they could book however they want, but you, the audience, me, the media, or you, the media, me, the, me, the audience, all of us in general, if we don't tune in, then we show them exactly what we want to see. It's it's the way anything works. I get people all the time that, that uh, they get upset with their favorite sports team or a certain athlete or or things like that, and, or organizations, sports leagues even. And I was like, well, if you really want to get your point across, then don't support them. And how you, how you don't support them is you don't buy the merchandise. You don't buy tickets to show up. You don't watch the shows. You don't, uh, if, if you're not watching and you're not buying the merchandise, they'll see that. Because if enough people start to do it and they see those numbers not quite where they were, they're going to go, okay, they don't want to see that. And they see the numbers. They probably know fight by fight, round by round breakdown of who was watching, when, and where. So they can see. So the fact that, that numbers probably, I haven't seen the official ones, but i got to think the unofficial, that the numbers went up as the fights go along. More people tune in because they want to see the bigger fights. That's a great thing. And that means they're entertaining us and they're giving us the fights we want to see. They're giving us the wrestling we want to see. So I shout out to, you know, the UFC, to Bellator, to PFL. That we will talk, oh, we'll talk about both of those here in a minute, all three of those here in a minute. Uh, WWE, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, AEW. Even the indies. When you go to a local show, if they don't have an entertaining fight or they don't have an entertaining card, you're not coming back. You're not going to come back next time. But if they do, then you're going to come back next time and you're going to buy this guy's shirt, you're going to buy that girl's shirt, and you're going to buy hot dogs and popcorn. You're going to bring more people next time. You're going to show everybody what they missed out on, and that's how it grows. That's what I constantly do with everything I go to. I give things a fair shake. I go check them out. If I think you should check them out, I come on here and talk about them. I'll talk to you in the streets. I'll talk to you in elevators. I will talk to you anywhere about these things. You should definitely go check these out because of this. Because I had a great time and I think you could too. If I don't have a good time, I don't talk about them. I may mention them, but I do not talk about them. Either way, off my little soapbox there. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, I didn't lose too many people there. But uh, Andrade with the big win, she's now twenty three nine and oh, you got to think she's she's moving right up there in in the the contention talk. Have you right up in there? Uh, good for her though. That was the uh, first round she slapped that submission on. That was fantastic. Uh, not to be outdone, there is a general theme with the uh, the top five fights here. Uh, Claudio Puelles with the big time submission on Captain Caveman, as I call him, Clay Guida. Guida, man, he's he's still entertaining. He still brings it. I'd like to see him get a couple wins because we know he's right there at the end of his career. But uh, Claudio Puelles, great submission, great win. Like I said, Captain Caveman always, uh, Clay Guida always, always puts on a show. And uh, so far, remember, that's two fights out of the five that are submissions. Spoiler alert. Four out of five were submissions, submission results. In fact, I will talk about the submissions, and then I will talk about the one that wasn't, because that was actually my favorite of the five. Charles Jourdain with the submission win over Lando Venata. All of these first-round submissions. First-round submissions. That's when you catch somebody in the right spot. 
whatever your feints and your fakes and even your your non-fakes, your big strikes, your other attempts, and all of a sudden something presents itself and bang, got him. But a uh, big win, Charles Jordan, and then uh, Mark Andre Barral with the submission over Jordan Wright at the catch weight. You tell me it's a catch weight. It's always weird because uh, I always wonder if it actually counts towards your your fight record or not. It's a professional fight. It was a sanctioned fight, but I guess it does count on your overall, but not necessarily on your your weight class. So, like, if a light heavyweight and a heavyweight fight, it, it, if it's catch weight, it doesn't necessarily count for either division, but it counts on your record, I guess. I don't know. Maybe one of you guys can, can uh, drop us a line and, and explain that to me. My favorite, my favorite matchup on the card was Macy Barber with the unanimous decision win over Montana De La Rosa. Macy Barber, soon to be big megastar. And honestly, Montana De La Rosa, she's not that far off either. These two girls put on a show. They put on a show that uh, impressed casual fans even. I mean, you know, diehards, we, we're going to watch this anyway. Whether it's good, bad, indifferent. But this was incredible. It will be interesting to see what Macy Barber does going forward. Uh, Montana will pick up a... a uh, another fight here soon, but uh, Macy's working her way up the rankings, so uh, probably probably maybe a couple fights away from a potential title fight, I think, if she goes out and continues to uh, impress, so uh, we will we will see how that goes. What's the other? There was another one I wanted to mention. Oh! The uh, DQ win for Mike Jackson who is now 1-1-0. And uh, it was a DQ against Dean Barry, the Italian. Doesn't matter if he's Italian. I'm just telling you he is. Uh, the DQ was for an eye poke that was just terrible. It was just terrible. I mean, if, if you're Dana and Sean Shelby and, I don't know, the, ref, uh, the referee even... You, you kind of want to pull Dean aside and, and into a side room or something and go, uh, I just want to ask this, was that on purpose? It looked pretty intentional. I'm not going to say it was, but I'm, I can't say that it wasn't. I mean, what do you do? And I, I think... Whether he admits that uh, it was intentional or not, I mean, because, of course, he's going to say, well, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, it looked bad enough to where not just because it's a DQ, but I, I'd hand down a fine. I wouldn't suspend him. There's no reason to do that. But um, I, I'd, I'd hand out a fine because it was pretty egregious. Here's your word for the day, boys and girls. Egregious. Uh, it was uh, pretty crazy. Even uh, even Mike Jackson kind of uh, halfway hinted at the fact. Well, I mean, he come out and said, but he halfway hinted at the fact that uh, it uh, that might have been on purpose. Uh, just uh, I, I don't think Dean Barry is a dirty fighter, and I, I don't think those kind of things. But but uh. Yeah, what a way to start off a, a UFC fight night was, uh, with that crazy, crazy thing. Just uh, just pretty crazy. Kind of running out of words to say about it. But, uh, you know, Mike Jackson gets a win. Dean Barry gets that DQ loss. That's, that's an interesting little mark to have on your record. But, you know, uh Hopefully you, you live, you learn, you evolve, and you don't do that. But upcoming UFC, 
this Saturday. Looks like it is uh, the main card I know is on ESPN. Looks like ESPN2 is going to carry ESPN Plus for the whole thing if you want to do that. ESPN2 is going to have the undercard. Uh, I will, let's talk about some of the big fights. Let's start with the main event. We get Rob Font versus Marlon Chito Vera for the Bantamweight Championship. Jesus. <laughs> this, this could deadline any show. Rob Font is the slight favorite, but I, 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 I understand it's because Font is super strong. He comes in on a big wave of momentum. Chito Vera just shows up and just deals out powerful blows like candy on Halloween. I mean, <laughs> and it seems like he's always the underdog in every fight he's in. And just he continues to win them. I mean, even their records, you got 18-7-1 versus 19-5-0. These guys are similar, very almost the same, not the same fighter. They fight slightly different. But record-wise, they, they're right there together in their overall careers. And the fact that, this, that ESPN is, is having this on the main, like the main card is on ESPN. That's, that's, it's not just because there's no basketball or there's no other things going on. It's not, no, it's, that's, that's part of it. But the other part is, is that they looked and they said, oh, I, of course, I want Rob Font versus Cheeto Vera on our major Mothership Network. I want it on the big dog. We'll put the undercard on on uh, ESPN two, which is our which is our uh, our second big dog. But we're putting this card, the the main card, on the big dog. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, I got Cheeto Vera. It's nothing personal, to Rob Font. I would typically be in Rob Font's corner, but. Every time I go against Cheeto Vera, I lose. And I just think Cheeto's going to have it. So, give me Cheeto Vera. Uh, the co-main event. We get Jake Collier versus Andre Arlovsky. Was he the Pitbull? can't remember what his nickname actually was. But uh, he is going for a hit. This will be his 54th professional fight. Jake Carter, 13-6-0. And, oh. and uh, Arlovsky is actually the slight favorite. He's the betting favorite at the moment. And I got to take I gotta take the... Uh, I wish he'd come out and do the vampire stuff again like he used to with the teeth and all. Cape. But uh, I got Arlovsky. A lot of people say, well, we've seen him on AEW. And we've, we've seen him do these other things. Is mine really in it? Oh, yeah. He's doing that on the side. He's down there training. The whole time. They uh, they just occasionally take field trips and, and do that. But uh, I, got, I, got, I got Orlovsky over Collier. We got uh, Christoph Jocko. It's going to take on Jared, uh, Gerald Mechart. Jocko is the slight favorite in that one. But uh, I think Mechart's going to get this one. I think it's a Mechart. Mechart. I think Gerald Mearshart is gonna gonna win this one, but this could be a war. This could go the whole distance. Both these guys are looking to make a big win. They are technically headlining the undercard, but uh, it's a big fight. That's a big fight. We're gonna get Alexander Romanov versus uh, Chase Sherman. Romanov is a just out of this world favorite. He is minus 2,000. That means you would have to bet. Let me get this right. Let's see. Is there minus 170? Okay. You would have to bet two grand, $2,000 to win $100 on Romanov. That's how big a favorite he is, and um, I'm pulling for Romanov, but uh, just for the sake of, of betting, if it was it's plus one thousand for Chase Sherman, what's uh, what's ten bucks to make a hundred there? You know, put uh, 
fifty to make five hundred. You know, it's uh, ten to one basically. You win ten dollars for every one you put down. I'm not saying Chase Sherman can't shock the world. It may be a small percentage, but uh, if you're betting, it's you're not going to get a minus two thousand and a plus one thousand on on a UFC fight very often. So I take the risk. There was another one. Uh, Gina Mazzani and Shayna Young. That's going to be pretty good. Oh, here it is. Uh, Tatsuro Taya against Carlos Candelario. It opens the card. It's going to be a good fight. Could be a war. Could they? They could. They could go long here because Carlos is eight one. Tatsuro is ten zero and zero. A lot of people think that uh, Tatsuro should just handle this, and uh, I'm not discounting Carlos in this. I do think Tatsuro could win, but it could be by decision. I don't know that this is going to end early. So that's UFC coming up. Uh, Bellator decided they wanted to have uh, a ton of events, which they did. They had uh, two events, actually, over the weekend, as they had uh, Bellator 278, which was Velasquez versus Carmouche, and not to be outdone, 279 was Cyborg versus Blenko 2. Now, I'm going to start with 278 with Velasquez-Carmouche, because... There was controversy with the main event. Of course there's controversy with the main event. There's controversy with the main event. Where was it? Yeah. Juliana Velasquez. uh, Was kind of pinned down. By Liz Carmouche. And I don't want to take too much away from Liz. Because she did put in the effort. And she was in a commanding position. Um, And the referee called for it. Based off of punches. Because they said Juliana was not doing enough. To show that she was trying to escape. Juliana is challenging it. Saying... She was making the motions of of getting out and was trying to escape from the predicament when the referee called for it. So we will see what happens there. Once again, I do not want to take away from Liz or Juliana. I think Juliana has the right to challenge that. They can uh, review that however they want to review it. I don't think they're going to redo it. I mean, they could make the two of them fight again. But... Congratulations to Liz. She's the new women's flyweight world champion. Um, and she was she was winning the fight at that point. She she had the dominating position. So it you know, it's not it's a little controversial, but not terrible. Uh we gotta talk a little bit about Danny Sabatello who is going to be, uh, he's going to be a problem for a lot of people in the Bantamweight division. He took out Jornel Lugo by decision. Uh, Jornel Lugo, no slouch for sure. Uh, I mean, you got to think that he came in, Danny came in at 11-1, and one, and Jornel Lugo was 8-0. and up. So, you know, both had a, a decent amount of fights. Only one loss between them up until then. And uh, Danny Sepatello, he he won this fight. He did more than enough to convince the judges that uh, he had control and he was doing more damage, which he was. So good for Danny for the big win. Um, there's another something on the prelims, I think. It was uh, 
Uh, now, Weber Almeida's TKO, his KO of uh, Fabricio Franco. Wow. Just wow. Almeida in the featherweight division, he's going to be a problem for a lot of people as well. So, uh, but let's move on. Let's move on to, uh, that was a good card. I felt like it had some good fights. The thing about Bellator that's a little different from UFC is that a lot of times the second or third best fight is from the undercard. Where UFC, it's pretty solid. The ones that stick out are usually a main event or something on the main card. Not always. Sometimes you do get some surprises. But Bellator seems to, anything can happen anywhere on their card. And uh, I think that's what helps them stand out a little bit. Now, it's something that uh, doesn't surprise many people, but it was impressive by the effort of both women. Uh, Cyborg. Wins by decision over Arlene Blinko. Probably said her name wrong could be Blinkow. But either way, uh, she retains her, her women's featherweight world title. She went five rounds toe-to-toe with Arlene. Arlene went five rounds with Cyborg, uh, which is, is not an easy thing. Not an easy thing at all. But, uh, this thing went the distance as we thought it would. It was a great fight. Arlene showed she could still go. As we all thought she could, she can hang with Cyborg. That's saying a lot. But uh, in the end, Cyborg retains. But the most impressive thing of the night, in the co-main event, in the Bantamweight World Grand Prix, they had a couple Grand Prix matchups tonight. Uh, Refion Stotts, fan of this show, or at least I hope he is. I've uh, interacted with him a little bit. Uh, Big-time win, big-time KO of Juan Archuleta. Stotts now becomes the interim Bantamweight World Champion. I hate that it's interim, but it's just the way you phrase it for now. Uh, Raphion, remember, presented the idea for a Grand Prix, and I, he's got to be the front runner to win this thing. He had a, uh, a hard matchup against Archuleta, but in the end... In the end, he gets his big win, so congratulations, Raphion. I uh, look forward to the way this Grand Prix is going to play out. Where was the other? There it is. The other band away. Apache Mix with the decision win over Kyoji Horiguchi. Great fight. Great fight. Apache Mix is, is he's one of those guys that he's got a flashy name. He's got a little bit of a, a flashy style as far as uh, he's got a lot of swagger. When, that, when the bell rings... And he and he's locked in that cage. Uh, there's, there's, he just he it's all business. And he took care of Kyoji, got the decision win. Kyoji looked respectable in the whole thing, but uh, this this Grand Prix is uh, it's, it's going to be something. Definitely going to be something. Let's see, do they have they have another one on here. No, okay. They said another Bantamweight fight. Okay, cool. Make sure I didn't miss one there. Uh, next Bellator event is in two weeks. Bellator 280. We'll talk about it a little more next week. I believe it is the... Might be Friday the 6th, yeah. It's going to be... Bader versus Congo, too. That's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely going to be a lot of fun. Let's go PFL. Now, I live-tweeted during the PFL last week. You can follow along with us because I will be live-tweeting tonight as well. We will also have the draft on. I might be throwing some comments out for the draft, but mostly I will have the P- I will be... Uh, tweeting along with the PFL if you would like to join us. Uh, I always enjoy interacting with you guys. I know it was kind of a last-minute surprise thing last week, but, hey, it's fun talking to a lot of you guys. But tonight's PFL main event, 
And let's see. It is all on ESPN2. No. ESPN Plus is going to carry six of the matches, or five of the match, half of them, five of the matches, and ESPN2 will have uh, the main card. Main event is Bruno Capaloza versus Stuart Austin. Now, this is all featherweights and heavyweights tonight. Uh, we're going to get, uh, I believe he's the champ right now, defending champ Lance Palmer versus Chris Wade. Get Brendan uh, Launain versus Ryoji Kudo. Get Renan Ferreira. Or Ferreira. Versus uh, Jamel Jones. Or Jamal. I don't know. I think it's Jamel. And to round out the main card, Dennis Goldsaw versus Cody Goodale. There's some big fights on here. Buffett Jenkins is fighting. Uh, Adam Koresh, Alejandro Flores, heavyweights and the light heavyweights. There's going to be a lot of punches thrown tonight, and it's going to be fantastic. Remember, ESPN Plus for the whole thing, or uh, ESPN2 will have the main card as well. It's going to be fun. Follow along, because... I highly enjoyed live tweeting during events, especially ones I'm attending. I am um, hoping to attend the uh, PFL events coming to Atlanta, I believe in June. I believe it is June 17th, 24th, and 31st. No, that can't be the 31st. 31st is, uh, there's not 31 days in June, so... We'll see what that other day is because let's flip the calendar. We got right beside us here. Maybe it's the tenth, seventeenth, and twenty-fourth, or maybe it's the seventeenth, twenty-fourth, and then July first. I, I don't know. We'll we'll look into that and we'll find out. But uh, definitely follow along tonight. We love interacting with you guys, as I said. Now let's get into some wrestling. Let's get into some wrestling. Uh, let's start with WWE and Monday Night Raw. I'm not going to go through all the matches. I know I say that a lot, and then I end up doing it anyway. Well, I'm not going to this time. I'm going to start with uh, a couple of the feuds and, and things they have going right now. And, uh, you know, what I think of them. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, occasionally with KO in there. That KO's got his own thing we're going to talk about later, Kevin Owens. Uh, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes. In a way, Seth is kind of the new Cody. Except for Seth is, has been able to stay at the top where Cody uh, got kind of a raw deal and like a better term, raw deal in uh, the, the whole Stardust stuff and random booking and yeah. But having Cody go somewhere, become a star, and then come back has 100% boosted WWE's momentum. And, and it really doesn't detract from AEW because he was kind of, it looked like he was kind of riding, riding out of town from AEW anyway. He wasn't doing that many big things towards the end, so it ended up working out. But you get Seth Rollins, who is... Just a mainstay, main eventer. Doesn't necessarily need a belt to be in a high-profile match because these two aren't fighting over a belt currently. But at any time, could be in the mix. He's not like some of them where it's kind of up and then it's down. It's, oh, they're in a main event, and then now they're in the card. Seth Rollins is a main eventer. Cody Rhodes is a main eventer. So having these two feud over the next couple months, this is going to be one of the top feuds. Because all this is doing is delaying Cody Roman. Because it needs the proper build-up. And a big win over Seth would definitely put Cody in the right situation for taking on Roman. Now you could say after Seth, it could move on to Drew McIntyre, 
Cody Drew McIntyre would be really good and then lead up to Roman, but I don't know. I, I think I'd, I'd, uh, as soon as this is over, I think Cody Roman needs to happen. Sonya Deville using her power as an executive to book herself against Bianca Belair. Now, the fun thing is that Adam Pearce is in the middle of this and uh, using some of his power to make it a little harder on Sonya. It's, they're running, they just ran out of people for Bianca. I don't know why they had her beat Becky Lynch. It didn't make a lot of sense. But, I mean, Bianca's faced about everybody on the roster that's, that's qualified enough to face her. I mean, you know, like Aaliyah, she hadn't been there long enough. She didn't had to build up the clout. Beyond that, they're just kind of delaying Rhea Ripley, I believe, who should probably be the next contender, but then it only makes sense that if she is the next contender, that Rhea would probably beat Bianca Belair, because if she doesn't, that's kind of goofy. But that's, it's at least, it's going to make... Sonya Deville, it's kind of interesting. This was the storyline they were using against Naomi, and then now all of a sudden uh, it's flipped over to Bianca, and that storyline just disappeared into the ether. So we'll see what happens. Now I said Kevin Owens is busy with his own feud. Well, he is feuding with Ezekiel, the younger brother of Elias. I'm a big Elias fan, which in turn, I guess, makes me an Ezekiel fan. I'm a big Kevin Owens fan. Always love it when two of my favorites are competing against each other because I know it'll be great. Uh, But Kevin Owens trying to prove that Ezekiel is really Elias. He has the personality to do that. And we're seeing that Ezekiel has the personality to keep playing along and and, uh, making it appear as though maybe he is a different person. I don't really know where this goes. At some point, you either prove that he really is Elias, or at some point, Kevin Owens just drops it. I don't really know which one of those you would necessarily do, but either way, this gives Kevin Owens a solid opponent because Elias or Ezekiel are solid, solid workers, plus they've got a lot of their own personality in the way they wrestle. They can hold their own for sure. And it gives Ezekiel a good way to, to come in and not just have to beat a bunch of local guys for a couple weeks to build up. He, you know, can have some solid matches with Kevin Owens. who He doesn't even have to win. Kevin Owens can win all the matches, but if Ezekiel looks good, it is what it is. And then Finn Balor dropping the U.S. title to Austin Theory. We knew Theory was going to get some sort of kick up or, or something here soon. Uh, it impressed Vince McMahon, which is which is what he was trying to do. And it just starts putting more letters on the, the Wheel of Fortune puzzle that is on the wall about uh, just kind of inches along the thought we have that Finn Balor, sooner rather than later, may be out may be on his way out. And probably really for the best. He has gotten pretty much misused and, and or not used the way he should have almost his entire career. In the WWE, it would be nice to see him uh, go back to New Japan. Everybody thinks immediately AEW. I think he should he should go to New Japan Maybe other route. Just my thought on it. But good for Austin Theory. We'll see the things I haven't seen this week. So we'll see the things he gets into this week. And uh, good for him. Smackdown. We got Charlotte Ronda Rousey. We know about that feud. You get the figure eight versus the uh, arm bar. The two of them are going to have... What should be their their blow-off match, which in a feud means the, the match that ends the feud, is a I quit match. 
I don't know that it's necessarily to the point where that, that match made the most sense to me, but these two are two of the best they have, and they have a lot of really good ones. Uh, we know at some point Ronda's probably going to win and get the belt. I guess that means Charlotte will take a break because the way they build Charlotte up, she pretty much needs to always be in the main event for it to make sense. I still am waiting to see if they add a third person to the New Day as they take on Butch, Rich Holland, and Sheamus. Because you get the three-on-two all the time. And yeah, I know the Freebirds used to be three people, and which is why them using the Freebird rule once they win the tag titles would be great, but I don't think they're going to win anytime soon. Probably don't get the opportunity. But uh, the three-on-two all the time, it, at some point you need somebody to, to step in as, as an honorary member of New Day or, or just a, a random person that, that makes sense. Like Ezekiel. I know Ezekiel's on Raw, but Ezekiel, he, he would fit in there. But, big fan of all the people involved. Really big fan of uh, Butch, Seamus Rich Holland. I mean, New Day too. But Butch, I think if they build him up the right way, future world champ, because the guy is just an incredible, incredible performer. We got to see Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser again. Ludwig seems like he is going to be the mouthpiece, even though Gunther's pretty good at talking himself. I want to see what they end up doing if they add Fabian Eichner back as a, as a third guy, or if they leave them as, as kind of a duo you know, because they could do tag matches and other things like that. But for now, it's just been about Gunther. And uh, you guys are going to like him. If you don't know if you don't know his work in NXT, if you don't know his uh, independent work, which I'm not very familiar with, but his work in NXT, that, that guy, is he's a, a heck of a worker. The Usos and RK-Bro, eventually at some point, somebody's going to win both tag titles. I'll be honest, it doesn't hurt my feelings if either one of them do. It's probably going to be the Usos. But at some point, that's the that's the blow-off of that one. It seems to be that it stays more on SmackDown, which is where the Usos are. Uh, Roman may even help him do it. It would look way better if he didn't. And then Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn, we're going to get the blow-off match between them this week. I guess that would be tomorrow. Uh, Steel Cage, where Sammy can't run off. He found... I give Sammy Zane credit. On top of, it's just good booking. I, I give him credit. He found a way to lose by countout in a lumberjack match. He found a way to, to run away during a lumberjack match. That I, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen. Normally, somebody finds him and throws him back in. He got away. And then let's move to NXT. NXT has three, these are the three big things I like going on right now. They're, they're in the middle of shuffling a lot of things. They've renamed some people. They've gotten away from people using their actual name. Actual names, now they've, they've basically trademarked the new names everybody goes by. So they have control of them, which is fine. But you have uh, Pretty Deadly, who are the tag team champions. Looks like the Grizzled Young Vets. Are they going to get repackaged or let go or, or it looks like at least split up? They may not. I mean, they're a good team, but they've kind of ran the gauntlet of done everything but aren't in the title picture anymore after losing this week. Pretty deadly's opponents, next opponents, I think uh, Jensen and Briggs should be people that, uh, that that go after them like that. So we'll, we'll see, but pretty deadly being the top team from the UK that's moving their way over here. The only thing I don't like is that it seems like the NXT UK 
it is a feeder league for NXT. Is the way it looks, but it's not necessarily. It's not sure a bad thing. It's just I don't know. It's uh, it seems like they're on equal footing because everybody that comes over comes straight over into something big. Uh, the other thing looks like Braun Breaker, or we know this Braun Breaker and Joe Gacy are in a uh, about to be in a big time feud. I, I hope it's not just a one time thing. Um, we've yet to see Harlan and Braun really do a whole lot, but this past week we saw Gacy push Braun off the top of the stage. I think it's showing how far Gacy will go to try to win uh, the title. And I'll be honest, I, I want Braun to have either a long reign, or if he gives it up, then he, he goes and does something else for a while. But Gacy as champion is not a bad thing. He's a, he's a pretty a pretty big talent. And with the help of Harlan, he could probably hang on to that belt for a little while. I still think Braun is going to ultimately win all this, win the feud. But once again, wouldn't, wouldn't hurt my feelings much if Gacy uh, stole a win. And then Saray, who repackages herself and... She does this transformation where she's like a schoolgirl in the back, and then she walks through and she turns into kind of like Sailor Moon. Kind of like a part superhero or something when she comes out without the crazy mask. It just, uh, it's it's really cool, kind of. Trying to think of the word. Kind of anime character looking. It's kind of cool. But uh, her and Tiffany Stratton have been in a, a little bit of a few altercations here lately. Looks like Stratton's getting the, the bigger push off of it, which is crazy because when they signed Saray, she was one of the hottest independent free agents uh, from Asia. And them landing her was a big deal. And she hasn't really gotten much of an opportunity to get off the ground. So uh, Tiffany Stratton gets better and better each time. And no matter who comes out of this, I think we all win because the two of them have actually had some pretty good matches together. Let's move on to New Japan. They had the semifinals of the uh, the big cup tournament they're currently doing. We had Okada versus Naito. I never get tired of seeing these two because uh, Okada's great and Naito is one of my favorites from New Japan. He is uh, one of my nephew Archer's favorites. Anytime he, he uh, anytime we're watching wrestling or anything like that, if Naito is wrestling, his full attention is on the screen. You know, I'm not real sure what his favorite part of Naito is, because he's he's kind of the anti. Naito is kind of the anti. But uh, either way, in the end. Naito wins. He goes to the finals. And who is he going to face? Okada will be fine, by the way. He's still the champ, I believe. And uh, it's it's always fun seeing those two battle. I bet him and Naito, Okada and Naito have probably faced 20 times or better. Always good. Naito finds a way for the win. Then we had Zack Sabre Jr. and Shingo Takaji. Shingo's a guy that just a handful of years ago came in and joined up with Naito as part of the uh, Los Ignorables de, uh, de Japón. And uh, he's done a pretty good job of, of making a big name for himself. He come over from the other Japanese association, which escapes I me. Mean, All Japan, maybe? I think it's New Japan and All Japan. Either way, he came over from there, which is a big deal. But Shingo and Zack Sabre Jr., wow. Not your classic wrestling match at all because Zack Sabre Jr. is very innovative with the way he finds ways to slap submissions and holds on you. And Shingo is very high energy and very powerful, even to be a smaller guy. In the end, Zack Sabre Jr. is your winner. So the finals of the big tournament are going to be Tetsuya Naito Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. 
That's different. In fact, Sabre Jr. might win. And that would be totally flipping the script over there. But I feel like Naito probably has the advantage. I'll take Naito to win. Plus, once again, I'm a bigger fan of his. Impact Wrestling, let's talk about Rebellion. I'll go over some of the results of the matches. The ones that matter, I will I will uh, stay on for a minute. Kenny King beat Crazy Steve. Good match. Eddie Edwards beat Chris Bay. Made no sense to me. Because you got the feud between Honor No More and the Bullet Club. And so the supposed leader of the Bullet Club, or no, supposed leader of Honor No More, Eddie Edwards, who joined them after they formed, beats basically the, the number four guy in Bullet Club. And it didn't mean anything. Like, it, there was no stipulation, no nothing. Just straight up, let's have Eddie Edwards win a match. So, didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, the Influence beat the Inspiration for the Women's Tag Team Championships. And the, and the thing most important coming out of this is that the Inspiration are taking some time away from the ring. It could be that they make incredible money with their online websites and such. Uh, but I, I think they've got some other opportunities they want to look into, and the grind of being a wrestler and doing those things are uh, clashing. But uh, good for the influence. I believe Caleb with a K is still back with them. And uh, moving forward, it'll be different without the inspiration, but the influence is a solid team to carry the titles. Macklin Steve Macklin beat Chris Saban and Jay White in a three-way dance, a.k.a. triple threat. Uh, most notable thing here is that Macklin gets to nod over Saban and Jay White, two very established guys, but maybe that was the point because they could both take the loss and Macklin needed the win. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo lost to Taya Valkyrie for the triple-A uh, Reina de Reina's title, which I think it's at some point the travel gets to you with those kind of things. So Deanna probably wanted to pass that title along to Taya, who can travel back and forth and defend that a lot more where uh, Deanna was having to do it here. Deanna Prazo is still probably the best female wrestler on the planet. She's probably one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Very fluid, very methodical in the things she does, and uh, she still has the Ring of Honor belt, even though there's an inner room there. So, well, that's probably the storyline going forward. It'll be Ring of Honor and Mercedes Martinez with Ring of Honor and Deanna Perrazzo with Impact Wrestling fighting over that Ring of Honor belt. Ace Austin beat Trey Miguel and Speedball Mike Bailey. He is the new... He's got to be four or five time now. X-Division champion. Good for Ace. Ace is on his own now as uh, he kind of walked off from Madman Fulton when Fulton was getting uh, dominated by Josh Alexander. Tomohiro Ishii was able to outlast Jonah in a match that I hope happens a ton more times, including in New Japan where they both technically are. Just two big guys, just these two bulls, button heads, going toe-to-toe. It's great big man matchup. Violet by Design won the tag gauntlet. The gauntlet, Violet by Design, ended up doing that. They kept the tag belts. Tasha Steeles defended her women's title against Rosemary. There was little to no build-up here. It seemed like a last-minute decision to, uh, to make the match, so... And then Josh Alexander beats Moose for the world title. Okay. So like an eight-month storyline finally plays out. Uh, Moose had a great run at the top. That's fine if they want Josh Alexander to push the company in a different direction. I think Moose as the champ was was a lot better option. But, hey, they don't ask me. Shout-out to Moose for his incredible run up until now. Incredible run on top. He turned a, a middle card 
storyline into a main event. Moose is talented. Moose is quite talented. Let's go AEW to finish up. AEW Dynamite opens up with CM Punk versus Dustin Rhodes. Really good matchup. Of course, Punk wins. And looks like in the... Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it. There's an event coming up that should be really, really cool. But CM Punk versus Dustin Rhodes. It was the Grizzled Veteran versus the Andy Darling. It was really good. Really good. It's a way to open up. It's about a 20-minute match. Great way to open up. Then we get a six-man tag. Danielson, Yuta, and Moxley, who beats uh, Lee Moriarty, Brock Anderson, and Dante Martin. Yeah, it looks like the other Martin brother is hurt again. I'm going to say this. Since, you know, incredibly, I'm sure the AEW officials are listening. If not, if you know them, pass this along. If Dante Martin's brother, his tag partner, is hurt, and Max Caster's partner in the acclaimed is hurt, why not book Dante Martin and Max Caster together for a couple matches? Could this just be some random ones? I mean, you guys put three random people together in Moriarty, Brock Anderson, and Dante Martin because neither one of them are getting recruited into the, the group like Yuta did. So it was almost a squash match with people with slightly bigger names than your normal squashers, squashies. So why not put Dante Martin and Max Caster together in some tag matches just for a little while, and then when their partners come back, their partners come back. But until then, that's what I would do. Looks like Young Bucks, Red Dragon, and Adam Cole are acting more as a cohesive unit. I am waiting on the return of Kenny Omega because then it will be Young Bucks, Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole, Red Dragon. And that is going to... I, I really think they're going to start a trios division because they are they are starting... I mean, you got... I just said two two trios there. You got Danielson, Yuta, and Moxley. You could do... Uh, the, the You take Dan Garcia out of the JAS... We're not taking out of it, but you do, well, I mean, him and, and 2.0, whatever they're calling themselves. You got Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz is another trio. Uh, Bullet, Blade, and Andrade. There's five or six trios teams right there, and it, it creates a whole new division. And I think that's something AEW should uh, consider. Now, Tony Khan and the New Japan Pro Wrestling president had a big announcement that was interrupted by Adam Cole, who said that on June 26th, it's called Forbidden Door, where New Japan and AEW are going to have a big joint event. They're going to combine and have a big event. The only thing I have heard about it up until right now is that we could see Kazuchika Okada, who I just mentioned who took on Naito, take on CM Punk. My goodness. My goodness, if you want to see if CM Punk's fitness is up to par, watch him versus Okada, because Okada will wear you out with his pace. But if that's even just one match on the card, sign me up, take my money. Um, Jay White also interrupted to uh, to throw in his two cents about uh, the whole thing as well. Um... Wardlow over the Butcher. Butcher, very underrated. Uh, he is one of my, I would say, top ten talents in AEW that I enjoy watching because you just look and, and you look at him and, you, and you're like, well, I don't know who this guy is. Just some big, uh, weird-looking dude who calls himself the Butcher. And then you see him work. I mean, him and Wardlow are, are on a similar fitness level, and Wardlow is ripped. Of course, Tim J.F. throws his... Two cents in there for that. We're eventually going to get Wardlow, MJF. I know I keep saying that, but uh, we are eventually going to get that. But for now, uh, Wardlow beat the Butcher. Really good match. Really good showing by the Butcher. Um, For the Owen Hart tournament, we got Kyle O'Reilly versus Jungle Boy, where Kyle O'Reilly actually got the win over Jungle Boy, which he should have. Uh, Great match. Great match. Um... 
Cal can still go with, with the best of them. He's not old. He's not over the hill, nothing like that. Uh, good win for O'Reilly. And he moves on the Owen tournament. Hook and Danhausen have finally uh, interlocked enough to where it looks like we're going to get a match. And uh, since they were in Pittsburgh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, comes out with Najee Harris and uh, I forget his first name, but Freire. I believe he is the, the tight end for Pittsburgh. But uh, she basically calls BS on, on a lot of the supposed contenders uh, in AEW. She's right. Uh, her, her biggest competition right now, in my opinion, is either Tony Storm or Jamie Hayter. It's not Ruby Soho, who's been gone for a while and just mysteriously showed back up. She's, she's got to build back up. Uh, it's not some of these other people. It's not uh, Nyla Rose. We'll put Nyla Rose up there. Those are the top four right now. But even Statlander and some of the other ones, uh, they haven't done a lot lately. So that's pretty much your four moving forward. And then the main event, Darby took on Andrade. Darby Allen is took on Andrade uh, in a coffin match. Darby ends up winning. Uh, but the biggest the biggest thing of the match was Private Party comes down in, into the crowd and starts attacking Darby. And there's a fan who is waving, a fan in a sting mask, who is waving a sign, I came here for Darby. They rip the sign. The guy takes off his mask, and it's really Sting. And so Sting takes out Private Party. He eventually climbs onto a balcony up on the second level and jumps off on everybody. I, who is this Sting? No other time in his career would he ever do this stuff, but it is just insane to watch Sting go out there and do the things he does. So uh, he uh, his moment didn't overshadow the match because Andrade and Darby are, are two ridiculously good performers. But uh, Sting's moment was up there. Then we go to Rampage, where we get Adam Cole. We took on Tomohiro Ishii for the Owen Tournament. Owen Hart Memorial Tournament. Owen Hart Foundation Memorial Tournament, I believe is what it is. Uh, Adam Cole gets the win. There's some underhandedness that happened and uh, included a low blow and things like that. But uh, Ishii versus Cole was fantastic. Uh, like I said, Rock Romero and Jay White uh, were down there as well. It looks like Jay White and Adam Cole kind of have a little bit of a partnership going on. It's kind of interesting. Not real sure where that comes from much except for their days at Ring of Honor. We had Dan Garcia take on Eddie Kingston with nobody else at ringside. And Eddie Kingston just mauled Daniel Garcia. It was incredible. Just Eddie Kingston just showing everything he's got. Big win there. As I said, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, and Britt Baker were in the back during the interview segment where uh, Britt was just like, I don't know why I'm here. And then Jade Cargill, they did two or three weeks worth of building up this uh, Marina Shapir in order for Jade Cargill to beat her in a pretty good match and stay undefeated and stay the TBS champion. Um, I want to see what they do with Jade Cargill. She's getting better. You can tell she's extremely new to the game, extremely green, but uh, she's an impressive talent. I think she's a former volleyball player, so she's built a lot like Charlotte Flair. Real tall, muscular, but enough to where she can still move around a good bit, and she she's pretty fluid in the ring. So AEW could have a star on their hands if they play their cards right. But guess what? That's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all the amazing people who make Strong Style such a uh, fun, fantastic time each week, especially me to come, I get to come in and, and talk wrestling, get to talk MMA. It's one of the highlights of my week for sure. So shout out to producer Sunshine. She did an incredible job tonight. Today, rather. Uh, if you want to follow the show at The Impact 99 on any of the social medias, you can look up uh, or at Team Impact Media on Twitter as well. 
You can find me, Jeremy the Impact York, on Facebook. You can also find Impact Media or just look for Strong Style anywhere you get a podcast. Rate, review, question, comment, suggestion, any of that kind of stuff would be fantastic. I am Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Go watch wrestling. Go watch fighting. Remember, later tonight, follow along. I'm live tweeting the PFL. Deuces, gooses.